Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Welcome to Catharsis. I'm Tiff Stevenson, full-time comedian, part-time massively unqualified therapist for this podcast only. Each week I talk to a guest about small things, pet peeves or old wounds that maybe need healing. We also dive into a topical gripe and a historical beef to see if we can provide some insight, but mainly some catharsis. You can sweat the small stuff with me. This week I am raging about Latin names for female body parts. I've got to talk about this briefly because we just, we need better names for female body parts because Mons Pubis sounds like a French restaurant Moira Rose would go to. (laughs) Or someone in the Star Wars Galactic Senate. I actually looked it up and the translation is mountain of people. A mountain of people. That's what mons pubis means. I mean, if pubes are people, then I guess so. But I recently found out the etymology of the word vagina. I guess this is where this all stems from. Because I love saying the word vagina. I would just, you know, drop it in a room. How's your vag? And I recently discovered that the Latin for vagina is sword sheath. Which made me think, no wonder some men feel entitled to be in there. That's the place to keep my weapon to stop it getting rusty in the old sword sheath. No, it isn't a storage facility for penis. Like, So that means I can't call it vagina anymore because it feels like I have no autonomy. Like, I don't want it to be a placeholder for dick. So in lieu of that, I've got to come up with a new name. I took some suggestions, as always, people who are on my Twitter feed are vigilant about this kind of thing. And one of them suggested tuppence, um, which no, I don't want to because I'm not five. And it makes me sound like a Victorian sex worker down the docks. <laughs> Hello, lads. Do you want to have a look at my tuppence? I'll throw my frappany bits for free. Anyway, I'm going with Plato's Cave because it's shadowy, merely an imperfect copy, and loads of Greek men have been in it. And I can see my guests laughing, so that's good. I probably should introduce her. Um, I don't mind having guests laughing at my rants. I'm very happy about that. This week, I am joined by stand-up comedian, actor, writer, and in many ways her own agony aunt. That's why I'm really keen to have her on this podcast. It's the fantastic Sindhu V. Hello. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) You're just laughing at Mons Pubis over there. Well, first of all, I'm laughing at uh, Sword Sheath. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then Tuppence, no. Also, it's one of those names from the books I used to read as a kid, the Enid Blyton, and then it's like, (laughs) you know, it's like Famous Five. 
and my vag. It doesn't work. Famous five and my vag or posh people. Those those things yeah. seem to collide. Like names for like STDs, like chlamydia. There you go. Would be a posh girl's name. name. I know, right? <laughs> exactly. So I was thinking, but then, uh, yeah, so Plato's cave. Well, actually, Mons Veneris, I think, is Mound of Venus. So I think that is from the Greek gods. There's a translation there of like Venus being the goddess of love so like a place of worship i can kind of understand yeah. that we think that's more yeah appropriate well i mean it is a place of worship as far as i'm concerned and i like to worship it <laughs> uh, as well anyway thank you for your candle cindy well listen um, it's, you welcome know, to the podcast i'm hoping that we can really have this therapy session today and that you can come out of it going i feel better about everything <laughs> And the first section of the show is something we call old grudges, which is your own personal gripe. This is a situation that's personal to you, like someone from your old work, someone from your childhood. It could be someone from last week that did something that really irritated you and you're, you just want to get it off your chest and share. Here's the thing. I am not a grudge bearer, but I can't ever forget how bad I felt. I don't bear the grudge against that person, but that feeling stays with me. And I always have regret that I didn't do better. Right. Or, you know, even that, if, even if that involved hitting them, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, because they were bullying me and I, why didn't I hit them? So Standing that, up for yourself. Correct. Much better than hitting them. But yes, in that moment, it would have maybe been expressed as hitting them. So that feeling stays with me and I feel frustrated that I... You know, it's a bit like George in uh, Seinfeld when he doesn't have the right comeback and then one of the times he tries it and he says, well, the jerk store called and they're running out of you. <laughs> and you know what? I mean? The total fail. I have a lot of those. There's a term for it in French called spirit escalier and it means the th- as you're walking down the stairs or the spirit of the stairs, as you're leaving a situation, the thought for what you should have said in that situation yeah, yeah. It comes to you. You're like, ah, oh, why didn't I, I say that? Yeah, that would have been the perfect yeah. comeback. So I don't know if I bear a grudge against that person. I think I bear a grudge against myself. Right. That you do it. Why couldn't you have? Because obviously as I've grown older, I've got more confident. Yes. So in the spirit of that, I was thinking, what is something I have never quite forgotten? And it's such a vile story that I'm not sure I want to tell you. <laughs> it's I had such terrible thoughts. And I'm not saying I should have gone down that road, but I should have said something. Okay, so here's a story. I was doing a PhD in philosophy, which I quit. And I, for many different reasons, having to do with the administrative part of living abroad, which involves needing a visa, I got a banking job. And I was not an MBA. And I had I didn't know bankers. There was no bankers in my family. I didn't know anything about investment banking. I knew it was like cool because of movies like Wall Street. And I knew that. And so when I joined, I was extremely extremely diffident like I patently didn't know what I was doing but I got hired there was 28 other people I think or 27 I was a 28 they all were from Harvard and Columbia and they all had MBAs and they had done they had been in banking and they would walk into the we used to have a training session walk into the training session in the morning and say where's the Dow where's the Dow and I was like who is Dow (laughs) I didn't even know it was like Dow Joe I knew nothing a Welshman it's a Welshman yeah (laughs) (laughs) and I had never lived in London you know everything was very new in the final round of interviews to get this job one of the other candidates was so it was from all over the United States they'd got a final bunch of us somewhere in Philadelphia and one of the guys was an MBA and he was from my university and I recognized him because he had dated a friend of mine and we were friends, like not great friends. And uh, he was, unsurprisingly, he was French. Uh, 
This will not be a surprise by the end of this story. Anyway, and he was an MBA and so on and so forth. When I was in the hotel about to go to my final interview, I was eating breakfast and he walked up to my table and he said, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I'm in the final. And he said, and instead of saying anything angry back to him, I lost all my confidence. And he said, and he left. Amazing how just a sound yeah. can articulate so much, like take the wind out of your sails completely. And and he was right. I, was, I, I, I should not have been in the same round as him. So he got it and he came to London and he was on the trading floor as well. And by this time, lots had happened. I'd gone, you know, a couple of months had, we sort of, yeah, like several months had passed and I had lost touch with him. I wasn't in touch with him, but he'd broken up with my friend and so on and so forth. I kind of peripherally knew that he was going to be in London also with the same firm. Now, one thing, Tiff, is when you go from being a very impoverished student on a scholarship to banking, you have no clothes and you don't, and I didn't know brands of makeup or, you know, all those things. There's a lifestyle. There's a code, isn't there, to fitting in, to kind it's of a going. Yes. It's a uniform. Yeah. No shade on that. It's a uniform. I just didn't know it. But yeah. I did know HR had said you have to be in a suit and so on. So I had purchased five suits because I thought five days a week, you know, five suits. And um, I was very proud of how I had been able to be both economical but also have the right kind of suit, you know. So I'd gone to places like Filene's Basement in America, which is like, and Payless Shoes, you know. Bites. All those yeah. kinds of things because I had a very tight budget. One of the suits I bought was this kind of, it was like a dark color, but if but in certain light, it sort of flashed a bit of purple. His behaviors were often, even when we were at university, not great. And then someone said, yeah, you know, his mother had committed suicide so he's very troubled by that which I was very saddened by and it was a sad thing you know I anyway there used to be a smoking room outside the trading floor you could go and smoke and at that time I was smoking easily 40 cigarettes a day easily (gasps) wild wild (laughs) so there I am and I'm getting up and I go to the smoking room smoking room is full of people I don't know any of these people they're all senior bankers and this guy is sitting there and I sit down And he says very loudly and everyone, and I'm wearing that suit and everyone in, in the room stops. And he says to me, Oh, so you did make it through and you're here now. Um, which is funny because you don't deserve to be. He said, like, for example, look at your suit. Where did you get that fucking suit? Kmart. Wow. Wow. I was so shocked. And I looked at him. And I didn't say it, but I started to say it, and I said it inside my chest. I said, why don't we ask your mom? The grudge here is to me that I didn't stand up and say, imagine, even without an MBA that you paid for, I've studied on scholarship, so mine was free, and even with a suit from Kmart, I'm sitting in the same room as you, fucker. Yes. I didn't say that. I'm glad I didn't say, why don't we ask your mom? Because that's yeah. just vile. Yeah, well, that, but, but it, is the, it is the reaction that you immediately feel. Sometimes the instinct is to be, when someone is mean to you, because we're human, is to be as mean as you possibly can be. And you go, why should I be more gracious than him in that situation? Yes. Why should I bring kindness to you when you have brought, like, you've said something really awful to me in a room full of people in a new job? 
and also everyone knew that I was an outsider because everyone knew I didn't have an MBA. You know, and it was already like it was something I was trying to overcome. So anyway, everyone turned to look at me. Yeah. And he said, where'd you get that suit? Did you buy it in Kimat? And I looked at him and I could feel these other words about his mom beating up against my chest wall. And I thought of my father and what he would have said if he knew I would be that mean. And I was like, oh, I can't let it. I held that. So I took out a cigarette and I lit it. And I said, no, I got it in Filene's basement. <laughs> I, I was like, well, I'll just, just go with that. Which is another way of saying Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think I think uh, you took the high road there, Sindhu. So hopefully, just by saying this out loud, I think uh, now we can look back and we look at, we can see who the real winner is in this situation. But I it's, should have my grudges. Why don't I say something mean? Everyone would have come out on my side. It's like a pit that place, yes, you know? yeah, yeah. And I'd have been like, I didn't have, the, I didn't tell everyone that. Look, I didn't have all these things he had. Yes, and I still am in the same room. Instead, I lit a cigarette and said, "No, it was Violin's basement." <laughs> I think sometimes as well we. Um, we forget that the importance of like emotional intelligence and and it sounds like he doesn't have very much. No, he had none. In, in a world of business where we're obsessed with, if, do you have this qualification? You go, well, actually just as important to that is the ability to talk to someone else, especially if you're working in banking. You know, if you're trying to sell stocks and shares yeah. or you're trying to communicate with people, that being able to have a level of emotional intelligence. Yeah, I mean, but he was just, he was just not nice. I also want to say, just for anyone who's listening, I don't think there was a connection between how rabid he was with me and anything that had happened to his mom. Right. At all. I mean, this guy was just that guy. And he just obviously wanted to make me feel like shit, which, you know, in that moment, I don't know what everyone else thought. And also, for the record, I did go on to earn much more money and I did buy extraordinary suits. <laughs> but I kept all of mine because, you know, I think there was there's so much self-confidence that comes from cutting your coat according to your cloth yes and I learned that early and I and it didn't stop me from being good at my job thank you for sharing that with me Sindhu I hope it feels better one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. it's time for some topical cream this is where we apply some balm to a stingy news story that's got you all het up let's talk something topical what's getting on your nerves at the moment the financial bullshittery of this current government they knew what would happen to the pound if right. they did a b c d because rishi sunak and i'm not a huge 
supporter of any of these people, but just from an economics point of view, he had said, if you do this, 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 the pound will tank. Yes. And they did this, 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 and the pound tanked. And the rest of the world was like, are you jokers? I mean, I know enough economics to say, well, what were you thinking? And now they've backtracked on that. They've backtracked on the taxes. They've, and is this a time to remove this cap on bonuses, which, by the way, has always been a joke thing, right? Right. So you worked in banking. Tell yeah, me about yeah, this. Because, well, I mean, it's been a joke thing in the sense, I think it was more symbolic in a lot of ways because bonuses were getting out of control. But I, I don't know if it's, well, the way that labor always spun it is, you know, the caps on bonuses are what's going to bring salary equality to the world. No, because you can still raise base salaries. Yes. Yeah. Right? And now is this the time to take caps off for the Tories when a recession is coming and people can't pay their gas bill? Bankers don't even want the cap thing off. They're like, leave us alone. This is bad bad business the optics <laughs> optics of this are terrible and it's not changing our life anyway and yes. i don't speak as a banker i'm no longer a banker i just think coming into government this liz trust is just such an so many imbecile moves yes and you know as much as it, one would like to believe that there's that this is a deep tory problem no no they've gone f- far beyond that this is stupid tories yeah <laughs> you know like you have yeah. like they're not like the brainiest calculating Tories. It's like, what are you doing? No, these are just the most self-serving, keen for attention ones. Yeah, they're not even self-serving because if they were, they would realize they're not going to stay in power this way. It is the most basic bitch of Torying <laughs> that I have ever... And I'm not saying that I want them to stay. I'm just... I think it's appalling for any government to take the piss like this and think that that people are not going to notice. I mean... Every time you think the Conservatives can't do a thing that makes them seem more ridiculous. They go, we don't want to do the free school dinners. We don't want to continue that. And you're like, this is like something out of a Victorian novel. I was saying the other day, the UK economy right now is like me in my 20s in that the interest is high. (laughs) We're constantly in negative equity. (laughs) I'm like dropping pounds, always going down when you don't want it to, occasionally being destroyed by a public school boy. That's me in my 20s. (laughs) The parity with the dollar, that was a moment, I think, where all of us went, I saw a meme that was just from Ghost and it just said, Molly, you're in danger, girl, (laughs) at the pound, where we just didn't think that would happen. We didn't think that we would be, we've always known that they're self-interested and we've always known that they're going to cut benefits, you know, again, like, you know, disability benefit you know, friends with benefits, probably, if they can. Yeah, they have (laughs) no friends, but yes, yes. I think that no matter what government you are, and, you know, different governments have different policies, and the Tories have had, we've seen their policies, there is a basic level of economic competence and responsibility that as a a first world, not, I mean, to use a phrase I don't think applies that much, but as a developed wealthy country you have a kind of a responsibility and if you are not able to hold that well then I despair I I, see this is really interesting to me because I would go we are a wealthy nation and when I said that on Twitter people kept going stop saying we're one of the richest nations in the world people are below the poverty line like but that's a fact we are yeah I mean that doesn't mean that every individual that is in the UK is wealthy. No, there's something called GDP yeah. and something called my salary. Those are yeah. two different things, <laughs> yes. you know. And of course, on Twitter, people will say those things and fair, you know, whatever. Who, who God knows what people. I mean, it's, it's impossible to understand what, how some people have not absorbed basic information or don't want to. 
I just think it's very... See, I grew up in India, and for us, it was always our governments were very corrupt. We had a very robust voting instinct, and we do have a a functioning democracy that peacefully transfers power every five years, which is not the norm in ex-colonies or et cetera, et cetera. But we were always taught that, you know, uh, when you get to a certain stage in GDP and prime, you know, in education, you're going to hold your shit together. Right. And then I watch what these guys are doing and I'm like, wait, I feel like you don't have the right. I want to say that to Liz Truss and company. You don't have the right because you don't have the problems that the countries that are behaving like you are doing <laughs> right you yes. don't have 80 percent of illiterate people you don't have religious fanatics running your country so what is your excuse god damn it <laughs> you know it's annoying to me it's like yeah. it's it's often what i say to my children i say you know what is your excuse for not getting good grades everything is taken care of for you you don't have to your fight. needs are met yeah you don't have to fight crocodiles to go to school or whatever the hell the stories <laughs> the grandparents used to tell you know what i mean yeah and you get pocket money hello people give you free money yeah. And if you can't come up with good grades, what, what are you doing? Yes. Sim. So it's all in play for the conservatives. I think you'll say, I, I have this strong belief that we need to send some mums into, into parliament to talk some common sense into a lot of these politicians. Yeah, but you know, politicians are politicians. They know what's right, but they don't want to do it because they want to stay in power. Right. That's, but that's politics. That's why I believe if you want the position of prime minister, you shouldn't have it. Exactly. Right? It should just be given to someone who wasn't, who wasn't putting themselves up for leadership. 100%. And I also think this um, first-past-the-post two-party system in a, in a country that is as class-divided as the UK, it, it, it's damaging. Um, but that's another podcast, I think, too. Yeah. We've got to do a political reform podcast. Thank you. I don't know if we can get much catharsis out of it, unfortunately, because I feel like they're beyond redemption at the moment. So I feel like unless we start letting comedians run the country, which is a good idea in some respects and also a terrible idea. Um, in many other <laughs> respects as well. I don't know how we fix that. Now, it's time for me to ask you for an unpopular opinion. I don't think Beyonce is all that. <laughs> And it just makes people crazy when I say that. I I mean, what's the big, big deal? Like, I don't get it, you know? She's fine. She's a great singer. I mean, she's a good singer. But all the hype, I'm like, about what? Is it the clothes? Is it the dancing? But the whole thing together, like, really? I don't see why. Do you think it's because she um, she sort of separated herself from all social media? This is a thing she did a while back where she doesn't really do interviews or anything like that and then occasionally puts something out on Instagram. So I find this quite sort of, she sort of stepped out of the, I'm not going to do a news program, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to, the enigmaticness of that. Do you think it's that? I don't think she's enigmatic, so I don't think that. <laughs> I think... Like many people across history, she has found a very, and fair play to her, a way to package her brand. Um, and part of that involves this kind of slight move to, I'm a musician, but I have virtues that surpass that. Virtues right. for feminists, virtues for women of color, virtues for women who want to be financially independent, virtues for mothers. And I'm like, from where? 
and people have bought into it hook, line, and sinker. And I'm like, it's a brand. Right. It's a brand. And and so I don't see why her branded stuff is not called out as a brand, but is somehow some essential organic greatness. That's what right. I don't get. Right, because if we're in the business of entertainment, I suppose especially if you're a pop star, you're a machine, it is a brand. It's like Madonna is undoubtedly the brand Madonna. Yeah, but she doesn't have this kind of, you know, Madonna was great and this and that, but she never had this. You could walk into a room and say, I don't like Madonna, and people would be like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. You walk into a room and say, what's the big deal with Beyonce? And women are like, what do you mean? And it's like, dude, chill out. What is the big deal? For me, Prince was like a god. Right. Okay? But Prince was a phenomenal musician. Beyonce is not even on the same street, let alone the same house, let alone the same room. Okay. She doesn't even have a voice like Whitney Houston. She had a voice. Beyonce's voice is great, but it's not something that's going to move you, in my opinion. Yeah. Or at least you can say she's on par with Whitney. Okay, I might accept that. What is the big deal? And I think <laughs> the big deal is because she's got her brand and it's and full marks to her for the brand. But right. in, I meet women who don't think it's a brand. They think that she's genuinely just this amazing human being. And I'm like, why? Why? Well, because Whitney, I felt like Whitney maybe didn't even have any other... Whitney was a performer and then she was an actor as well, as is Beyonce has been in, in, in some stuff. But I feel like Which now is so notable, much... we can't even remember the name. Hello. <laughs> Just to point out. What, Whitney or Beyonce? Beyonce. Oh, uh, gold yeah. member. Is okay. it gold member? Yeah. You see, there, there you go. Whereas with Whitney, you're like bodyguard. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you don't, I mean, whatever that movie was. I think this is a new phenomenon as well, though. With it, like, I think Madonna did it very strategic, strategic. I keep saying Madonna, but, you know, there's been other artists that have done it as well. You know, but I suppose Tina Turner, if I kind of think yeah, about Tina Turner. Yeah, those women didn't have brands. Yes, and I think it's much more, I don't know if that's her so much of that is what is expected now. Like Harry Styles has a brand. There will be like, he's acting in stuff, he's performing, but there's definitely going to be stuff sold with Harry. Yeah, but that's Harry around. Styles is an amateur compared to Beyonce and Jay-Z and their brand. I mean, right. they have that brand. And I f- would fully understand women who say she's really amazing. What a brand she runs. Like Victoria Beckham. Right. She's a brand and I don't think she disowns it. Yes. Whereas Beyonce wants to just be like, there's this amazingness to me that's just, I can't help it. It's coming out of me. It's like, dude, no, there's not. You've got a, okay, you've got a good voice. You've done, you've had a great career. You are amazing on stage. Like, what movements. I couldn't even do half. She's running up and down stage and dancing and singing. It's amazing. And you're, you you worked your marriage out in some music called Lemons or Lemonade or whatever. All that's great. But you're not the best musician ever or the best female musician ever. And there's not like this. You don't know some deep secret about the truth of life that we're all waiting to hear. You've got three kids and you're married to Jay-Z. And he hasn't left you and you haven't left him. He's fucking everybody. You're doing a great job of keeping it quiet. Beautiful. Like, <laughs> fine. Do you know? <laughs> What's and yeah, your sister lost her shit and punched him in the lift because maybe she was pissed off you're more famous. Maybe she thinks he should not, you know, he should keep his dick to himself. Shit happens. It's a family. Be cool. Like, just, do you know what I mean? Just bring it down a notch. I don't want that to happen. Oh my God. I don't want my, I don't want my husband to get punched in a lift by my sister. I mean. If he deserved it though. <laughs> if he deserved, oh yeah, actually true. If, if he, he deserved, deserved it, it, then, you know, I mean, shit happens. They are human and it's a family. Thank you for sharing your unpopular opinion. 
It's time for our Aurochs historical beef. We look at historical arguments. We offer solutions. This week, we are looking at the beef between Rosalind Franklin. And I say beef. Um, she died with it unresolved, to my mind. Rosalind Franklin and James Watson, Francis Crick and Maurice Wilkins. This is about a huge scientific discovery where two men were credited and given um, awards for the discovery, but it was actually a woman who uncovered it. So this was at university. They were at King's Co- In fact, they were at King's College in London. She was working with a man called Maurice Wilkins and they were they were looking at scientific intriguing advances regarding the structure of DNA. And so there were problems with this partnership. So she was partnered up, Rosalind Franklin, with with a, a young scientist called Maurice Wilkins. And the problems from the get-go were the macho atmosphere, which was described by biographers as barracks room, beer drinking camaraderie. Despite approximately a third of the scientists being women, only men were allowed in the main common room where they had lunch, coffee, and discussed the problems of the day. So she was cut off from her peers. And she was paired up with a mousy fellow named Maurice Wilkins. Although seemingly compatible on paper, the two emphatically did not get along. Franklin was used to sharpening her ideas by discussing them. Wilkins was a shrinking violet who avoided conflict. They were working together to unlock the key to DNA and they couldn't get along. So what happened was they kind of disbanded their partnership inches away from the finish line, striding right into the gap between these two scientists came Watson and Crick. So, and who actually stole her research and presented it. They stole her research, presented it at the university as their own. Um, And then everyone was like, you sort of haven't quite cracked it here. Without Rosalind Franklin's knowledge, Watson and Crick used her work, primarily Photo 51, a diffraction result demonstrating the helical nature of DNA to rush out a paper, which then won the Nobel Prize for the most important scientific discovery of the 20th century. So Franklin had been maybe three months away from solving the problem herself, remained unaware of their usage of photo 51 for the rest of her life, which was tragically short. So this woman died without getting credit for her work, which basically unlocked the key to DNA and that was a triple helix and the credit was taken by these men. Was the credit taken in her lifetime or after she died? I think it was taken in her lifetime. And she didn't know? She didn't know that they'd used her research. You know, this is when you want the internet. She would have known. Yes, this now, is when, you want, just this is when internet. women internet is good for us. Yes. These are pictures on the internet we want <laughs> of our research. Yes. Mm. Being shown. Well, and damn. here's the thing. History is often written by the victors, isn't it? Not often, always. Always. Yes, right. So so without anyone to provide yeah. differentiating. And could her life have been different if it's kind of hard to find, to give any sort of credit to these men. We're in a time where we're online and if we put out a joke or a meme, people will just take it and not credit us for it. Which but I don't least... mind because it's not solving DNA. Yes. That I mind. But at least someone can call it out if you go, oh, hey, that's yeah, someone's exactly. thing. Oh, no, yeah, all, the, all the time. Yeah. But often what happens, I know this from friends who are scientists, in a scientific lab, unless you are very much looking to be fair, it's easy for stuff to get mushed. Right. And for people to say that this was the the lab came up with this, as opposed to this particular individual. I'm not saying these guys didn't know. If you forced me, I would say they probably just took it off her and thought, well, you know, she's a woman, like, fuck it, whatever. She's not even here. She's probably gone to make us some tea. Well, here's the thing. Beyond, Uh, like, stealing her research, James Watson, 
published a book called The Double Helix and it came out 10 years after her death and it characterised her as a bumbling shrew, unable to understand her own results, called her ugly, insulted her fashion sense and referred to her as Rosie. She wasn't called Rosie, she was Rosalind. So this yeah, is really well, like sort go. of trampling. No, but that's the guy who would then steal research. Was he one of the two guys? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, well, there you go, dude. You, you've shown us yourself that these are the things you think. These are the qualities of hers that you noticed. And then yes. you saw fit to tell the world after this bitch was dead. Yes. So now we have a picture of you. And that picture is of someone who is very insecure and obviously was never going to rate her and definitely stole her research. Definitely. And do you think as well that they couldn't even see, because they had all of those images or ideas of her as a woman, that they couldn't see her? They they was probably blinded by their own prejudice so much they didn't even think they'd stolen that research. Oh, yeah, 100%. They're like, they couldn't possi- she couldn't possibly know what she's done here. We, actually, what she's done is put some things down on a paper, but she doesn't understand what they mean. And we are the gentlemen to come along and show the world, no, this is what you actually mean. It reminds me of that New Yorker cartoon of I don't know if you've ever seen this of a man and a woman and she's he's just going let me interrupt your expertise with my confidence yeah (laughs) exactly I've seen this very often when I was growing up and I was a girl child whose father never treated us like girls we were like boys girls everything's equal always study hard but I was growing up in a society and in a wider family where you know there was a fair amount of not just patriarchy, but misogyny, which are not the same, which don't have to sit together, but they often do, because a lot of misogyny comes from other women as well. Yes. So the point is, I would observe as a child, as a girl child, time after time where the central belief was that something that a woman in the family had done was obviously not <laughs> the thing, and would then be presented as something that one of the men in the family had done. I observed it constantly. And I remember not being able to really understand that I felt that it was unfair because it was all happening in a very friendly way. And there's an underlying belief system that, well, she can't really be that smart because these women were not perhaps as well-educated or had not been as exposed, but they had the raw brain power. Yes. And they never complained. It was always like, well, of course my brother will or of course my uncle will. But I remember because of how I'd been raised, sensing that there was something unfair going on, but not knowing how to express that. Articulate what you were feeling, yes. Or what I was seeing, you know. And then I would try sometimes and tell my mom. And my mom would say, oh, you know men are ruling everything. Just shut up. And it's like, what? But she, was, she, she would Or agree. you know that we let men think they're ruling everything. Well, I suppose for my mother, they were. Yeah. You know, she, it wasn't about her thoughts. They were literally yeah. ruling everything. Like in India, in Hindu undivided family law you don't inherit because you're not a man and wow your brother, okay you know those kind that's then that had affected my mother and she was fine with it because she was like well he'll give me something right you know of course it's his but of course he'll share it because he's a good guy so there were good guys and bad guys but there right. was nothing about how but there was only the law <laughs> and yeah. if a good guy changes his mind and decides to be a bad guy what can you do yeah because that's men you know and so my mom had a had an inherited uh distrust of men which my husband, being Danish, found very interesting. He was like, why is she always saying to me, you know, just now you are good, but we will see. He's like, what is she talking about? I'm like, Cause she's all, she's cannot trust men. Because if men change their mind, you have nowhere to go. 
that was her experience. Happily, she loved my husband, and he's always she just she she couldn't believe it. She said, "I want all women to marry the Danish man," because <laughs> my mother's way of dealing with the world was a sample size of one, and it would just prove everything. <laughs> this is all Danes now. The, all all Danes. Danes are great. So yeah, so they're I great think, Danes. Great Danes. So I think to come back to your story, I think those men probably. I mean, I don't think they were necessarily that benign, but I'm not surprised that it went that way because, especially in science, you know. And like this podcast is great. I hope there are some women listening to this, especially young women, and you understand this is happening. So be careful of yes. your ideas. And for guys, knock it off, man. Yes. Fucking knock it off because we're going to find out. Yes. Now with the age of the internet, like that's such an astute point that I never thought about. This would get called out now. Like this. There's some kind of, I suppose, some catharsis for Rosalind and her family, like because she's now recognized... You know, in the decades since, there's been awards, scholarships, university Good. departments named after her. And they've had to apologize for omitting her contribution. But the thing, I suppose the thing of it is, is that afterwards, it's like a moment. There's always a thing. And you only realize as you get a bit older and you look back in hindsight, you kind of go, there's a moment where something's happening. Something's taken taken off or on on flight. To, and then a man can come in and destroy that and and then go, oh, I'm sorry I destroyed that or I did this thing, which sort of hurt your career and you're like oh but it isn't just about you acknowledging that it's it's the five or six knock-on things that might have happened and that she never got to experience um or have that acknowledgement or acceptance for her but I guess there's a bit of catharsis for her family and hope for us that now it would get called out absolutely I think you find a lot of times with women also some men uh in different in in different situations some people have the it's bad for them but it's a great gift to us some people live their lives fully but we are the ones who gain they haven't gained from the things they did yeah and so in that way they're just they've just come here as gifts as gifts to us that's a lovely way of thinking (laughs) of it so i've had in a listener problem i call this section angry aunt because I just tend to take their side even if I think they're being unreasonable because <laughs> sometimes you just you just want someone to take your side and this one has come from someone called Giant Gnomes who says I'm an ex-Brit living in Canada I once ordered a tuna sandwich and pronounced it tuna i.e. correctly but received a chicken sandwich because they were expecting tuna and guessed I meant chicken I'm still bitter about it so I think this is over pronunciations and traveling. No, I think this is a complete misconception of who they are. <laughs> um, because um, they've said, I'm an ex-Brit. You're clearly not ex. You're saying tuna. So yeah. you're not ex. <laughs> you're a Brit who's chosen to live in Canada. And like many, many um, Anglo-Americans, in my experience, have not have chosen not to change how you speak your language English relative to how other people speak English where you have chosen to live (laughs) so uh, I'm sorry about your chicken sandwich but if you don't want to have chicken maybe start saying tuna tuna no, tuna. say tuna. tuna. Say tuna. If tuna. you're in Canada, where they tuna say tuna, to me sounds like an um, I'm gonna have a tuna fish sandwich. No, but that's tuna. This is tuna. Tuna. I don't listen. I don't. I don't know. All I'm saying is, so that was the uncharitable version. The charitable version is, you can say tuna, but now you know that these people may not understand. So you should say t u n a. Look, my way of living is, if I am the 
have come from somewhere else. If I am the outsider, as you heard at the beginning of this podcast, I have been the outsider before, I look at the little ways in which it is absolutely no no cost to me to be a little bit integrated, but I won't over-integrate. Do you see right. what I'm saying? Yes. I am not doing pancake day, for example. I've lived in this country. My kids are like pancake day. I'm British. I'm like, this is stupid. Right. Make your own pancakes and I'm not fucking doing it. So I'm not integrating <laughs> that much. But I would integrate a little. You won't shrove on Tuesday. I don't shrove on Tuesday. I don't understand all this shrove on Tuesday. I don't box on the 26th of December, whatever. There's some <laughs> shit I don't do. Okay. okay. No, and there's none of this star chart business either in our house. It's, oh, astrology. No. If you do good things, you get a star. Oh, okay. Oh, star chart. I instantly went, oh, <laughs> astro- she, that's I'm, a very Sagittarius thing to say. No, um, <laughs> but I will integrate in small ways. Yes. Like I, I, my kids call me mum. And I say, fine, you know, because that's what they do here and that's fine. And I, I integrate in that way. I integrate. I know which side of the escalator I stand there. Yes. I don't stand like my Indian cousins come. They stand all over the fucking escalator. I'm like, what are you doing? Move. <laughs> I have also integrated. So you need to, sir or ma'am, start spelling tuna, tuna if you're going to say tuna. And if you're going to not spell it, then say tuna. And, you know, it doesn't hurt native English speakers to change their English relative to where... They're living. Um, <laughs> well, Sindhu has got angry on behalf of the vendor, and that's okay. As long as someone's getting angry for someone, I I agree. I mean, we could next week ask people how they feel about chorizo in the UK. Don't even. Don't even. No, right. but, but keep your tongue in your mouth. We're not in Bar- Barcelona. It's fine. Barcelona. It's fine. It's fine to say you got to say chorizo here, but if you're in Spain, you'll say chorizo. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, well, I guess because that's how they say it. Because if you go chorizo in Spain, they're not gonna. But also, one one thing, there's some kind of bias going on here because Indian food words are never pronounced the way we pronounce them in the UK. Okay, so give me a good example. Uh, so if I said lambuna, would you like laugh? I don't even know what that is. Oh, buna, <laughs> lambuna. No, but that's because you guys can't say bhut, so that's fine. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, okay, like right. Sindhu. Sindhu, Sindhu, rather than Sindhu. Sindhu. Yeah. Right. But that's fine. Everyone calls me Sindhu, so it's fine. But I'm just saying, if you can say words from certain countries, just however you feel like, then just say chorizo. It's fine. Why do you? Why is it more educated to say some words the way that the native speakers say it? Right. In other words, like we couldn't give a flying rat's ass. <laughs> yeah, like, we're very selective about yeah, what which is that? ones what is that? You we know, try with. I think that's an American thing. I right. think they all like to think they're very European and then start saying words like, you know, they start saying things, you know. Oh, like, they say it like snooker instead of yeah, snooker. Yeah. Oh, and the other the other day, this is one that blew my mind. I may have been watching some Baywatch reruns. Booey. Oh, yeah. What is that? Booey. That's that B-U-O-Y, right? Yeah, boy. A boy. boy. We a call boy. it a boy. And they people are like, boy. well, it's not spelt boy. That's so hilarious. And I was like, how do you say buoyant? Thank you. See, that's good. That's yeah. good. What you want to do is swim around the first buoy. <laughs> then when you get to the second buoy, and I'm like, how can you? I mean, we're not supposed to take Baywatch seriously, but like you're watching a series. Someone sent me a clip of like Harvey Keitel and Denzel Washington having a serious conversation about a buoy. And I was like, I cannot. We can't, you've just taken me out of this film immediately with your chat around buoys. Uh, Sindhu, thank you. Thank, <gasps> thank you for you. your, um, hopefully that is helpful. To to giant gnomes. I'm sorry, James. I believe that's your name. You gotta you gotta you gotta just start asking for the tuna. Yeah, or say tuna and then spell it. Yeah. It's a short word. Yeah, draw a fish. 
and go, this is what I mean. This is the small stuff. Don't even. And also, you're not an ex-Brit. If you're, this is the question you've sent us. Hello. Yes. Yeah. You are a Brit in Brit, Canada. Brit. Yeah, which is fine. And it's actually, great. enjoy that because anything that makes you unique anywhere you go. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of, I'm not saying it's particularly unique because I'm sure there's tons of British people in Canada. I know there's a lot of Scots, but, you know, you yeah. can be a Brit. You're I a Brit agree. in Canada. I agree. Isn't An Englishman in New York. I was going to say, <laughs> we are literally have the same thoughts because great minds. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Sindhu. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Please watch Matilda. It's out in November. It's a great film. And I say that because I've never done a film before. And what I realize when you watch the finished product is you're like, there's so many people have made this thing so wildly amazing. Really, I don't have anything to plug, but I will say one thing. All the people that you love, especially in your family, that you haven't told because they're really, really pains in the ass and being around them makes you a worse person. Tell them text them tell them try and look in their eyes and tell them because the thing about this is when the time runs out you always always regret it um i'm not regretting it but that's because i did the right thing i uh so yeah that's what i'm plugging give yourself a little bit of grief like feel a bit uncomfortable and make sure you do that because time is finite and it's almost it's almost always just for you it liberates you anyway that's what i'm plugging i don't even know that wasn't even so cheerful but oh no i love that thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today Sindhu I should plug very quickly I'm going to be doing a tour in the new year so if you go to my website tiffstevenson.co.uk the dates will be up there imminently thank you for listening you can listen to other programs from The Bugle including The Bugle The Last Post Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle wherever you find your podcasts 